0: From APP.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for Jersey Jump Shot. We're talking college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to the Madness. A fun month ahead and a great episode planned for you today. Thanks so much for listening. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. As I said, a big show today. Brad Wachtel. he stops by. We'll hear his bracket breakdown in just a few moments. But here at the top of the show, Jerry, we start with you because... This is when the fun really begins. The conference tournament's set to tip off, and it could be a very historic year for New Jersey programs. We're looking at three, maybe four teams making the big field come March Madness, come the NCAA tournament, but certainly a great time to be a college basketball fan here in the state of New Jersey.
1: Yeah, Jersey Jump Shot Podcast. I mean, this is our time, baby. We got literally a historic moment at hand It has been 31 years. 1991, I was a senior in high school. Even Steve Edelson was a young guy. 1991. 91. Chris, were you born in 1991?
2: Not by much, but I was barely alive. (laughs) All right. Chris is alive. Ryan, were you born? Uh, I was one, yes. (laughs) All right.
1: 1991 was the last time New Jersey put three or more teams in the NCAA tournament it was four that year. It was Rutgers. It was Seton Hall. It was Princeton. It was St. Peter's. Can history repeat itself in 2022? We are looking at the possibility of that happening. Seton Hall is in the dance. Rutgers has one foot in the dance. Princeton has the inside track to get to the dance. And can somebody, Monmouth or St. Peter's, rise up out of the MAC and trip Iona? I think there's a puncher's chance. So, big time stuff going on in the Garden State, and for those of us who have suffered for years with mediocre to bad college basketball, with not being a factor in March, with the NIT being what we had to look forward to, this is an exciting time for us over the next few weeks.
0: You look at what's ahead. You look what what's possible. Like you said, Jerry, I mean, four teams from New Jersey possibly making the big tournament. That's unbelievable. And, and something obviously that doesn't happen very often. So certainly living through historic times here. Steve, as you see the, the field, as you see how these tournaments are, are stacking up, the conference tournaments, what's your big takeaway from this past weekend as we start to, to head into conference tournament and then NCAA tournament time?
3: Well, I think as you look at the whole picture and Jerry just touched on this, it's the possibilities, you know, what might be possible for Seton Hall, what might be possible for Rutgers. And that's what has have fans so worked up right now is what might be possible, not only in the Big Ten tournament, not only in the Big East tournament but in the NCA tournament and that's why this time of year is so incredible and and I think I think it really in New Jersey it starts with Rutgers fans right now with what that team has been able to do and what might be possible for them you know they advanced in the NCA tournament last year and you know who knows you know a top 4 seed in the big big 10 tournament who knows what might be possible
0: and chris watching this Rutgers team just seeing the energy not only coming from the players themselves i mean we have this big win over indiana they take care of business at home by one point beating penn state they lock down that four seed to see the energy not just from the players but from this fan base what's that been like for the scarlet Knights as they stand uh like jerry said kind of one foot in the
2: dance at the moment yeah absolutely ryan look it's been incredible and Rutgers deserves a lot of credit for the way they kind of revived its season um you know yesterday it was a really nice day in piscataway before the game with senior day and look, I mean, these guys deserve a ton of credit. You know, they were the uh, the high-level, lo- you know, the, it was a high-level program that, you know, high-level players weren't considering, and they were kind of under-recruited, and, you know, it was a perfect match, you know, between p- these players and this school, you know, the time that they came in and and what they did for this program and, and the way they built it up. So it was a really nice ceremony yesterday. I think, Jerry, you can agree with that, that it was just a, a really, um, you know, meaningful for Rutgers and the fans, uh, what they were able to do. And then, obviously, you know, fittingly, Rutgers got a win that, Gave its fans uh, a bit of a stress test, you know, and <laughs> and and blowing a 15-point lead with about 17 minutes to go, and and having to fend off Penn State for a, a victory that it needed, and and pulling out a one-point victory. So, listen, it was a win at the end of the day, and that's all that matters, and that's all the Rutgers had to do is just keep winning. And you know, now they're they have a double bye going into the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, imagine uh, if I had said that to you back in December, what you you know you'd be saying I'd be crazy. So. You know, it's been a wild season, and they deserve a lot of credit for what they were able to do.
3: When you look back at three wins, the last seed in the Big Ten tournament, Peichel's first year, to what they've done now, I mean, I just think that's a testament of the to the way this guy has built the program.
1: Chris has mentioned stress. If you sign up to be a college basketball fan, you sign up for stress in March, okay? So in that sense, Rutgers-Penn State was the perfect appetizer, the perfect lead-in, the perfect tip-off to championship week, culminating in Selection Sunday.
0: And even uh, Geo Baker even tweeting exactly what you just said, Steve. That he was a they were a last-place, three-win team his freshman year. He said, "Uh, he, I don't think y'all even understand my emotions right now." So even hearing that from one of the team leaders in Geo Baker, who tweeted that out, uh, as Rutgers gets the double by, this obviously means a lot to the players, and you get the feeling that this isn't. All This isn't their ceiling. They want more than this. They want to get to the tournament and make some noise in the tournament. But before we get to these brackets, these conference tournament brackets, we're going to break those down in just a couple minutes. But first, we're going to talk to Brad Wachtel. Brad stopped by the show today. We talked to him a few weeks ago, so he stopped back today as we enter March to kind of say where everything stands, where our New Jersey teams stand, what he's looking for in the brackets. He gives us a Cinderella team to possibly watch. It's an absolutely great conversation with Brad So let's get right to it. Here's
3: Brad Wachtel.
1: All right, you know it's March because we're here with Brad Wachtel, And if you don't know that name, well, you got to catch up, folks. But I'm sure you do if you pay attention to us. Brad is the bracketologist, not just New Jersey's best bracketologist. You can make a case, the nation's best bracketologist. Scotch Plains resident, East Brunswick native, has a background working on college basketball staffs. And if you're not following facts and bracks. Start following it. Should be updated soon today. Brad has been paying super close attention, of course, to the entire country, especially our New Jersey teams, as we head into what could be the most memorable March in thirty plus years. Brad,
4: welcome. What are your days like right now? Days are crazy. I mean, every time there's a game being played, something is changing, and it's uh, it's chaos and it's March Madness, and that's that's what that's what this is all about, um, and. You know, one one win by one team, a loss by another team could drastically change the entire field.
1: Chaos on the court, chaos in Brad's life. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, the the first item of business, which is Rutgers coming off a, a win against Penn State, a game you said they had to have. Uh Brad, what are they what do they look like now? Where are you gonna have them today? And what's their situation? How would you explain how close how close they are to locking this thing up for the big dance?
4: Yeah, so they definitely needed to win that game versus Penn State. What a win did is not a whole lot because Penn State was a quad three opponent. Um, They could regret not beating them a little bit uh, by a a few more points. Um, They had a a 15-point lead, let Penn State come back into the game. So their net remained unchanged. Uh, Their net is still 76. So if the season ended today, which it doesn't, obviously – they would go in as the worst net to ever receive an at-large bit, should they get in. So that is why many people want to call them a lock, but there's still uncertainty. And I know that they are now fourth place with a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, but where you finish off in the conference, what your conference record is, has no bearing on selection. Big um, misconception yeah. there. Big misconception. Correct. Correct. Um, now one good thing that did happen yesterday aside from Rutgers winning uh, is you know Michigan won at Ohio State. So Michigan is now 31 in the net. They are close to being a seventh quadrant one win. And like I've been saying, when you have a net that poor, you need to overwhelm the committee with something. and seven quad wins is something that can overwhelm the committee. Brad, the, uh,
1: let's talk about the this week ahead, looking from a Rutgers perspective, okay? So they got this double buy, which, as you pointed out consistently, insulates them some from taking a bad loss that could really knock them out of the field. If you're a Rutgers fan, are you rooting for the tougher matchup in the quarterfinals? Would you rather play Iowa, or do you want Nebraska or Northwestern to get a crack at you and maybe maybe give you the fatal blow in the back to your
4: resume? Personally, I would rather play Iowa. Um, even if you lose to Iowa and you have a good showing against them, I would feel good about getting in because there's always that possibility. Nebraska is the hot team right now. Nebraska, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Iowa. I mean, the, the field that they're in right now, um, the, the, the little mini bracket, uh, these teams are hot. So right. anything is possible. Um, and, and losing to a Nebraska or even a Northwestern would be a catastrophe. Um, so I would love to avoid it now in terms of trying to win the big 10 tournament, obviously you would rather face the lesser team. And if you, you know, it makes the path much easier, but in terms of your, your net and everything, beating a team like a Northwestern and Nebraska, unless you're blowing them out, it's not doing much for you.
3: Hey, Hey, Brad, a hypothetical here. Let's just say that Rutgers had scheduled up and had a nice non-conference and then had this resume in the big 10. Where would they be right now? You think?
4: Oh, I mean, they would—they would definitely be safely in the field um, now. If we're assuming that they scheduled better and didn't lose to Lafayette, they would probably be somewhere eight-nine game safely. Um, Amazing. It, it would just not—it would not be in question.
1: Let's just say another hypothetical. Let's just say Rutgers loses a close game to Iowa in the in that quarterfinal round. Um, you know, are they are they, are they in really good shape? Are they at the mercy of what goes on around the country? Where would they be? I know it's hard to say in a vacuum because there's a lot of moving pieces, but I think that's potentially the likeliest
4: scenario here. Yeah, so I still think they're in good shape. Um, but there is the prospect of potential bid stealers that we need to pay attention to. Um, it's possible there's no bid stealers. That's definitely a possibility.
1: Where, where um, are, are they,
4: they lurking? To- where are those bid stealers lurking? So the Atlantic 10 is, is one Uh, Davidson right now is, is a likely at large bid, regardless of they if they win the conference tournament, VCU is on the bubble. So let's say one of those teams don't win Uh, Dayton is the number one seed. Um, I believe they're the number one seed. And if they win the conference tournament, they're getting an automatic bid, which in effect could subtract one at large bid. So that's one league. You have the WCC where Gonzaga is, and Gonzaga is probably not going to lose. Uh, but there's a team, Santa Clara, who is the three seed in the league. Santa Clara plays St. Mary's in the semifinals. Not a bad team at all. You never know. If Santa Clara wins that tournament, that's one less at-large bid. Uh, you're also looking at the Mountain West Conference where, you know, there's there's four really good teams in that league. Chances are there won't be, an, won't be a, a bid-stealer, but a team like UNLV, Uh, could could win that go on and win that tournament Um, and then finally you have the AAC where there's Houston SMU uh, and Memphis Houston and Memphis are solidly in now uh, and SMU is right on the bubble uh, but they could get net large bid should they not win the conference tournament so if one of those three teams don't win it that could open that could take away another spot
1: if Rutgers hangs on, uh, you have them ticketed for Dayton, most likely, right? It's going to be hard for them to get out of Dayton. They'd have to probably make a really big run like to the Big Ten final. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, I think that is fair. Uh, definitely going to need to to beat Iowa because um, right now, 76 net. The only other team that I have in the field that is remotely near them is Creighton, uh, and their net is 65, Uh, so if you take a look back at what the committee has done in the history, um, teams that there's only been two teams that have received that large bids with the net in the seventies, and that's Michigan state last year and St. John's a few years ago, both of of ended up in the playing game.
1: Okay. Last thing on Rutgers. we got a few other teams to talk about. Uh, the, uh, the, the What are the prospects of Rutgers playing Memphis in the first four? Man, would that be a – that would be a juicy matchup. Talk about opposite ends of the spectrum. What are the odds, Brad? Tell me they're good.
4: At this point, probably not great because, oh. because Memphis just beat Houston for a second time, uh, I, I think, and their net bumped up to 35. They're probably looking at a, a, a 10 seed right now. So 10 or 11, probably not a first four game. Is it possible? Sure. If they lose early in the conference tournament, um, I won't rule that out.
1: All right. Seton Hall, you have them as a seven seed. It seems like they are a consensus seven seed, right? Uh, So they have to play Georgetown. Uh, They lose to Georgetown. Does it knock them into the eight, nine game? It's unlikely they'll lose that game, but if they do, they go into the eight, nine, eight, nine hell, as I like to call it. I, I would think they'll be in the eight, nine game. Should they lose to Georgetown? Yes. All right, they beat, they take care of business against Georgetown, and they lose a good game to UConn at MSG. They hold on to a seven, or are they at the
4: mercy of what else goes on? They'll be at the mercy of what else goes on. Um, for the time being, they'll probably be at the seven, but we'll see what all the other teams that are seated beneath them do. And if they, you know, continue to improve in the conference tourney, uh, they can move ahead of Seton Hall. They beat Georgetown and UConn. They're a lock to be at least a seven, right? They should avoid the 8-9 game if that's the case, yes. How can they get it up to a 6?
1: That's uh, a 12 order. So
4: it's, going be, it's going to be difficult because um, a lot of those teams, you know, SEC teams, the the LSUs, Alabamas of the world, um, you have teams like Ohio State, teams in high major conferences, what are they doing in their league, in their conference tournaments as well? Um, the, the, the problem with Seton Hall compared to some of those teams is, like I've mentioned before, you know, their predictive metrics are not as good. So you, you're you still going to need some help, uh, but I do think a six could be possible uh, should they win a couple games. If Seton Hall holds on to a seven, the ch- what are the chances they get Memphis?
1: Again, I'm, I'm jonesing for Memphis here or North Carolina. I'm talking about the juiciest possible
4: matchups. They're definitely a possibility. Um, I have Memphis as a 10 seed right now and North Carolina as a nine seed. So they, they are right there in their wheelhouse. Uh, as two uh, legitimate possibilities for the hall. And we know they won't play Michigan because they played him in the
1: regular season and they try to avoid that first round matchup. Same for Rutgers. They would not, if it lined up, they would not match him up. Uh, they try to avoid that at all costs, something important for everybody to note. All right, let's move, the, let's move on to the Mac and our mid-major. Steve, take it away.
3: Well, you know, I'm curious. Let's just assume that Iona sweeps through and 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 goes in with the automatic bid. Where would you see them maybe getting seeded?
4: So all season long, I've, I've had them as a 12 seed, um, but they did lose a couple more games the last few weeks. So their net has dropped to 86. Um, they're still holding on to that one strong win against Alabama, uh, but I currently have them as a 13 seed. Uh, so they, Iona is competing against teams like South Dakota State North, and North Texas um, for that final 12 seed. Um, North Texas has a net of 44 with six quad two wins, quad one and two wins. So they're, they're ahead of Iona South Dakota States, the team in question, South Dakota state has a better net, similar wins against, you know, quad one and two opponents, uh, but they have much better predictive metrics, which is why I give South Dakota state the edge right now. Now should South Dakota lose in their conference tournament, Iona could get back up to a 12, but right now at this moment, I have them as a 13 seed.
3: And those late losses, you know, losing to Manhattan last week and whatnot, I I assume that just pretty much eliminates them from any kind of an at large. Yeah, they have
4: no shot at getting an at large. Right.
3: Um, You look at a team like Princeton, you know, with two power five wins. uh, They're going to, you know, let's assume they they win the Ivy League. I think their net is 103 now. What would you see them as a seed?
4: Right now, 14 seed. 14 Um, seed. So. If they want to get up to the 13 line, they're rooting against teams like Iona, Towson, Chattanooga, Toledo. Those are teams that have much better nets than them, you know, slightly better profiles than them by, by a decent amount. Um, but they have to win their conference tournaments um, and, and a team like v- Vermont as well. Um, so if Princeton does win their conference tournament um, right now, they're safely a 14 seed. Could you? I'm having visions of a Princeton, Wisconsin matchup. Could you? Is that out of the realm of possibility? Not at all. After after Wisconsin loses at home to Nebraska, uh, they're probably my top three seed now. Um, now Wisconsin could get back onto the two seed line if they you know win a couple games in the in the Big Ten tournament, but certainly that's a possibility.
3: Hey Brad, people love to latch on to a mid-major who might have a chance to advance and, you know, become like a Cinderella story. Who, who would who might that be this year?
4: I would definitely say Murray State. Um, so Murray State right now, even though they're going to be a good seed, uh, I have them as a seven seed, could be a six seed. Um, finished undefeated in the Ohio Valley Conference, five and one against Quad One and Two teams. Predictive metrics are strong, top thirty uh they're a team that can make a run um and anytime you see a, a, a team that finishes with a record of 27 uh, and 2 uh you know they could be trouble
1: 30 and 2 overall I guess they played a couple sub subdivision one games but man that is a great point all right Murray State you heard it here Brad Wachtel, the guru facts and brax if you're not checking it you ain't a college basketball fan Brad, thanks so much for doing this. We'll get you off to work. I know you'll have one eye on the job and one eye on on the bracket, on the uh, metrics. God bless you. We'll be following all week long. Thanks for everything all year.
4: All right, guys. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks again to Brad Wachtel. As I always say, great to have another East Brunswick guy on the program. Nice to hear from Brad. Certainly an exciting time, Jerry, to hear all of these possibilities, as we said at the top of the show, and then Brad kind of touched on again, just a, a lot really right in front of us for these New Jersey schools and, and a real opportunity to get to the
1: tournament and even make some noise in the tournament as well. Here, here's the whole thing that has to be, it has to be reiterated, two things. One is uh, that that the championship week is fun, but it's it's the small potatoes, okay, compared to the NCAA tournament. And we've been down this road with Seton Hall before, They've won a lot of Big East tournament games. And I know Rutgers is going into new territory with the Big Ten tournament. But it's really, it's all about the big dance. The championship tournaments are money makers. They're good for TV. They're fun for fans. It's not what matters. What matters is the NCAA tournament. And, and secondly, uh, the NCAA tournament is all about the draw. It is all 100% about the luck of the draw or the bad break of the draw. Rutgers had a golden draw last year. They couldn't fully take an advantage of it. Uh, we've seen Seton Hall in past years get an absolutely brutal draw. Some of it self-inflicted, some of it bad luck. So, you know, this week is going to be fun, but you just don't know until the draw comes out, which is why I like to look ahead to potential opponents. But in the meantime, we have a championship week to play and some potentially fascinating tune-ups for that big picture of March Madness.
0: And we'll start with the Big Ten Tournament. As we said, Rutgers, they have a double bye. They are the four seed in the Big Ten Tournament. Just say that again to yourself. Rutgers, the four seed in the Big Ten Tournament. They get the eventual winner Nebraska Northwestern. They would go on to play Iowa. So they get one of those three schools on Friday. Uh, Chris, as we look ahead to potential matchups, potential opponents for the Scarlet Knights, what are you going to be looking for in this Big Ten Tournament?
2: Yeah, no question. Look, I actually, I, you know, I like the way that Rutgers is sitting going into this. I mean, you know, we, we know they've beaten Iowa earlier this season in kind of a defensive battle um, at Jersey Mike's arena. Um, but obviously I I was a good team pushed Illinois last night, uh, nearly got that win. Um, you know, the, so I, I, like the way that Rutgers is sitting going into this. I think that they have a good shot. Obviously the one thing, you know, that Rutgers has struggled with this season has been playing away from home um, and, and playing away from Jersey Mike's. So you know that's going to be a uh, you know a challenge that they're going to have to overcome. They've obviously gotten better, you know, in recent weeks, going on the road and winning at Wisconsin and winning at Indiana. Um, so they're just going to have to try and and kind of continue that and and keep playing well well away from home. I do think that this is a determined group. I think that this is a you know a team that really doesn't want this to end and is fighting you know to keep this going as long as possible. So, listen, I like the way that Rutgers looked going into this. I think that you know this time of year is all about when are you playing your best basketball? And I think that Rutgers has really obviously played its best basketball late in the year here, and they're rolling going into this. So I think that that, at this point, that's all you can ask for. So, you know, a double bye, like you said, it's incredible that they're in this spot, the number four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, You know, and I, I like the way that they're looking. I'm not thrilled about the draw for Rutgers. I love the double bye. Don't get
1: me wrong. The double bye is awesome. Only good things can come out of the double bye. It does insulate them from like a hot Nebraska team getting a crack at them. They'd have to go through Iowa first if they beat Northwestern. So that is very important. But we talk about teams that are playing well. I mean, look at what Iowa has done lately. They So they lost at Illinois by two, and I know they had the lead, okay, at Illinois. Before that, they had beaten Michigan by 11, Northwestern by 21, Nebraska by 10, Michigan State by 26, Ohio State by 13. Those were their five previous games. I mean, this Iowa team is seven and six in road-neutral settings. They lost a two-point game at the RAC, at you know, Jersey Mike's Arena, where Ron Harper did a great job of defending Keegan Murray, who's an All-American. I don't know, man. I think Iowa is playing as well as any team in the Big Ten right now, and it's tough to beat a good team twice. I will, look, it's going to be a good game. I told you, Rutgers is going to beat Indiana on this podcast last week. I was on the money. I don't know. This is a very tough matchup. And, you know, look, look. It doesn't matter as long as Rutgers gets in the NCAA tournament, but it is it is a tough matchup. Like, Iowa is every bit as hot as Rutgers, if not hotter.
2: It's a Big Ten. Everybody – I feel like every team is playing well this time of year. I mean, it's just the way that this league is, the, the way the teams are beating up on each other, and, you know, you have no idea the way it's going to go, but – Yeah, I I, I do agree with you, Jar. I think this is going to be a tough one, but I I don't know. I still like the way Rutgers. I got a weird feeling about this.
0: (laughs) We'll see how it all plays out. As I said, Rutgers, that double bye, they don't play until Friday. The Big Ten tournament tips off Wednesday. So as I said, the Scarlet Knights, the four seed, looking at either Northwestern, Nebraska, or Iowa for potential opponents on Friday. If they are to get past one of those three teams, they're looking at a matchup of either Illinois, Michigan, or Indiana, We shall see how this all plays out, but Rutgers certainly fighting for their tournament lives. They're looking good. They're playing well. It's going to be an exciting time for Scarlet Knights fans as the Big Ten tournament gets ready to tip off. As for the Big East, Jerry, Seton Hall, they're the sixth seed. They have Georgetown coming up on Wednesday, and if they are to get past the Hoyas, they would take on UConn on Thursday. What's your outlook for the Pirates as the Big East tournament gets ready to tip off?
1: First of all Cena halls had a lot of crappy luck they've had a lot of really bad luck okay they had they had games where they had to play with eight guys because of covid they lost their best guard to a concussion he hasn't come back he's been out since mid-january they lost their other stuff the other point guard to a hand injury Kadari Richmond it looks like he's gonna be okay for the big East tournament but that he was sick and then he hurt his hand they had to play without him they've been down to their fourth option. Their other backup point guard was out for the season, Jahari Long with a knee injury. They've been running on their fourth option. Jameer Harris, the pride of North Brunswick, has been running this team pretty well, and they've won five straight. They've won uh, eight out of ten. The other thing about bad luck is Seton Hall – see, Rutgers needed – this is just by comparison. Rutgers needed X, Y, and Z to happen to get the four seed. They got X, Y, and Z. Seton Hall needed X, Y, and Z to happen to get their buy in, the, in the Big East tournament. They did their job X – but Y and Z didn't do their job. Seton Hall gets stuck with a lousy sixth seed. So which means Georgetown gets to take a crack at them. Now look, Seton Hall's in the tournament, but you're your crappy Georgetown team that hasn't won in months. You're beaten them twice. They're trying to get the goose egg off their neck. They they have you know to to nothing to lose. Seton Hall's got a, you know, gonna take basically has to do a play game where they can only it can only hurt them. So it kind of stinks. They play on Wednesday night, 930, terrible time, um, you know, for for everybody. And then they come back Thursday against UConn, a UConn team that is going to have 10,000 fans in Madison Square Garden, a UConn team that split with Seton Hall during the regular season is good. You know, they're comparable. But this is their first Big East tournament with fans. The fans are going to invade the place. Seton Hall fans will show up. They always show up in Madison Square Garden. But UConn fans are going to invade. It's a very tough draw. The winner of that game is going to get Villanova. Okay, it's going to get Villanova, and uh, and I mean, what, you know, how, how, how hard can it get? So it's a really tough draw for Seton Hall. Here's what I want to say about Seton Hall: Just win, beat Georgetown. Don't get anyone else hurt. Okay, hold on to that seven seed, and and do it in the dance where they've had problems in the past. Advancing. I will give Seton Hall a lot of credit. They've handled the adversity that's come across them very well. They're playing very good defense. Uh, really, really good defense. 65 and under. They've held almost all their opponents under that number. They're good on the road. You know, they're they're seven wins away from home. They've beaten some really good teams, Creighton, Michigan, Xavier on the road. So I think the Seton Hall team's got a lot of potential. They got a tough draw this week. If they advance this week in the Big East tournament, that's really going to show you something for the NCAAs next week.
0: Yeah, and as Jerry said, it starts Wednesday. Uh, first game, Xavier and Butler tips off. And as Jerry said, uh, those late-night games for Seton Hall fans, Pir- uh, Pirates fans out there, uh, make sure you have plenty of coffee for the following mornings. A 9.30 start against Georgetown on Wednesday, if they are to win that. They have UConn 9.30 on Thursday. And, of course, when we say 9.30, it's a tournament. It's more like 10 o'clock with the way that things go. But we shall see with the Pirates as they get ready to take on Georgetown. I think really uh, in the MAC in our mid-major, Steve, there's a lot of fun to be had here. Because you look at this MAC tournament, you can make a case for three, four different teams potentially winning this thing. Of course, you have to beat Iona, whoever that champion might be. It's either going to be Iona or if some team can finally take them down. But Mammoth, they're a four seed. They play Thursday against Niagara. St. Peter's, they're the second seed. They play Wednesday against the 7-10 winner, which is either Fairfield or Canisius. What is your outlook, Steve, for the MAC tournament?
3: Well, I don't think it's wide open. I mean, you have Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino. He has the most talent top to bottom of any team. Um, You know, it's can somebody land a big punch and somehow knock Iona off. They are the heavy, heavy favorites going to Atlantic City this week. Now, among the Jersey teams, I think St. Peter's has the best shot. You know St. Peter's is physical inside. Their guards are very good. They can shoot if they get hot. I think they have a chance, and I think that they are the team that could defensively give Iona some problems. Um, you know, could Mammoth do it if Mammoth is is playing like the team that you know whipped Towson on the road earlier in the year and won at Cincinnati? Yes. They are capable of doing that, but we haven't seen that over the last eight weeks. Uh, so it would would take a real return to that early season form for Monmouth. But you know, listen, Monmouth lost by a point in overtime to Iona this season. So they certainly are capable, and they're capable of scoring with Iona if they're running, if they're if they're sharing the ball, if they're knocking down their open shots, they can do it. So, but again, it's it's all about Iona. It's all about can anybody do, take Rick Pitino down? Steve, and, why hasn't Mammoth played better lately? That's a good question. You know, and and I and I think that is, you know, they've tried a lot of stuff. The the seniors and listen, they have six seniors at the top of their rotation, four who are super seniors. So they have gotten together. They have tried to talk things out and figure this out but they haven't found any consistency. You've only seen it in little flashes. You know, they they haven't been the same since since the COVID pause. But listen, every team went through that, you know. So, you know, why were they not able to really pull it back together? Um, That's a good question. And I think they have been searching for answers on and off the court. Uh, So we'll see. I, I don't know. St Peters the the real, the challenge St Peters has before we even
1: talk about St. Peter's Iona is that they lost to Siena twice right so yeah. like they'd have to you know if the seeds hold through the quarterfinals St Peters would have to beat Siena in a in a semifinal a team they've lost to twice now I know St Peters is playing a lot better lately right so that does bode well for them
3: yeah, they, they've been playing well, but honestly, St. Peter's is tough. I mean,, uh, Siena is tough. and uh, but honestly, I really like the way that St. Peters is constructed. I love Shaheen Holloway in this kind of situation. And let's face it, if he makes a run to the Mac Final and even if they lose a tough game against Iona, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people looking at Shaheen Holloway as potentially their next coach.
1: He's a hot coach. He'll be on he'll be appearing on lists. Uh, what he's done is really good. Like people knew, everybody knew he could recruit. He did that with Seton Hall as associate head coach. But if you look at this team, this guy can coach. He can coach defense and his team runs good offense. They don't have great shooters except maybe one player. They they run good offense. This guy is a good player development. He's a good basketball coach and he he's ready for the next step. And I think the public, you know, the, the, the college basketball community is starting to realize that, Steve.
3: You know, and I think if you're looking at Princeton. I mean, Princeton sent a pretty strong message over the weekend, hanging 93 on Penn. <laughs> you know, so they're ready to go. Uh, I would be stunned if Princeton does not sweep to the to the Ivy League title uh, next weekend up at Harvard. Uh, I mean, I just think they're playing really good. I think they're a really good team.
1: Here's the thing about Princeton. I've seen them play in person. Uh, I've also watched them a couple times. Uh, they have they have a, a point guard who is a high major. Quality point guard in Jalen Llewellyn they have four starters who can shoot threes. Four. And they have that thing that a lot of mid-majors don't have. They have a big guy, a good big guy, uh who is capable of scoring, passing out of the post, rebounding, like really can hold his own. So I think Princeton is it. I if, if you're a three-seed and you draw Princeton, and you start watching film for the NCAA tournament, man, you are not going to be happy. I think Princeton is a dangerous team. They do have to get through the Ivy tournament first. They did They did lose to Cornell in the regular season. Cornell is coached by Brian Earl, who is a former Princeton great and was Mitch Henderson's right-hand man as assistant coach his first few years at Princeton. So he knows Mitch Henderson's team really well. So they do have to get through that. And Yale obviously is good. But, uh, I, you know, I agree, Steve. I think Princeton is a solid chalk, and I think we'll be talking about them next week when we, when we get into the, uh, the big bracket.
0: Yeah, there are two conference losses to the two teams that they're probably end up potentially playing. Uh, They have Cornell on Saturday and then the winner of Penn and Yale on Sunday in the Ivy League championship. And Jerry, you're right. If you go back through their final scores, if you're doing some scouting on Princeton, this is not your, your dad or grandfather's Princeton offense. They're hanging 80, 90 on teams in the Ivy League. They certainly can score. Uh, they will be a fun team to watch like you said they have to get through the ivy league tournament and beat two teams that beat them this season we'll see how that works out and just quickly back to the mac tournament it could work out that three consecutive new jersey teams will get their crack at iona so the name of the game is who can beat iona if Ryder gets past manhattan they play iona if Mammoth gets past niagara they would play iona and then of course st peter's on the other end of the bracket the two seed they could get their crack at iona in the championship game so three chances for New Jersey to take down the Giants of the MAC. We'll see if it happens in Atlanta. Someone's
3: got to rise up.
1: That's all it is. Rise My prediction is that on Selection Sunday, they'll be gathering in Bunnies in South Orange. They'll be gathering in Stuff Your Face in New Brunswick. They'll be ga- gathering at the Alchemist and Barrister at Old Nassau in Princeton to toast three New Jersey teams headed to the big dance. It's been a long time coming
0: absolutely and we cannot wait to talk about it that was the conference tournament episode i can only imagine what next monday's episode for the ncaa tournament will be like we can't wait to talk about it thank you so much for listening to jersey jump shot again thanks to brad Watel for stopping by the show great stuff as always from brad be sure to read everything that chris jerry and steve are writing on north and app.com and if you haven't told that friend yet to start listening Now's the time for them to start listening because it's only going to get more fun from here on out as we get ready to talk the big dance next week. Thanks so much for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. We can't wait for next episode. We hope to have you back for that. For Jerry, for Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.